Now, there's a couple reasons that, uh, that I played that video this morning. One is it's funny. That's a funny video. So no matter how I do the rest of this morning, you're going to be thinking, that sure was a funny video. Chris will say, how'd Chuck do? That video sure was funny. So the second reason is I'm talking about anxiety today. And research has proven that laughter reduces anxiety. It distracts us from negative thinking. So I wanted to be able to just kind of clear our minds a little bit and allow us to focus on this series that we are currently in called Flow. This series about what happens when we live in flow with the Holy Spirit. Now in John 7 verse 38, we have been touching on this throughout each week in this series. It says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Living water meaning being the Holy Spirit. And as we've been talking about that the Holy Spirit's flow is like a series of waves. And we need to learn to be able to move in cooperation with the flow of the Spirit's work in our lives. So Jesus is saying, if you believe in me, you will have this living water, the Holy Spirit. This is going to flow within you. And I love how Jesus says, whoever believes in me as the scripture has said. I'm going to get a little deep here for just a second, but these are two things that really jumped out at me this week as I've studied this scripture. You see, there was a prophet slash priest named Ezekiel in the Old Testament. And he prophesied this. In Ezekiel 36, verse 26, speaking on behalf of God, he said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So Jesus was saying, if you believe in me, what you have read is going to happen. Because they all knew this scripture. This, this spirit that Ezekiel prophesizes is going to flow within you as the scripture has said. Now the second thing I got out of 7 verse 38, and this is the King James Version here. Chris has actually been using this one. But it says, the one who follows after me, as the scriptures say, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. You see, when you make that decision to ask Christ into your life, and you believe in him, you choose to follow him, you become a follower of Jesus Christ. To follow means to do as they do. A Christian means to be Christ-like. You can't just believe in a Jesus that fits your fancy. You see, you have to believe in this Jesus, as the Scriptures say. We can't take out this and put in this. See, we have a way in society of making Jesus out to be anything that we want him to be. 
But what Jesus said, what Jesus did, is right here as the Scriptures say. So you make this decision to believe in Christ, this decision to follow Jesus, and you receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit begins this transformation. It's flowing in our lives, and it's leading us to change. Not because you have to do certain things to be a Christian, but because you'll want to do different things. You see, it starts from the inside. It does. You start seeing things a little differently. You start feeling things a little differently. Change is a byproduct of your choices. It just happens. You know, I heard Derek, our worship leader and youth pastor, talking the other day. And he said that when he was younger, he was, what's the politically correct term here? He was husky. He was a little bit husky. And he said that he was afraid to take his shirt off even when he was swimming. And then in high school, he started lifting weights. And he started eating healthy, and his body started to change. Because of his choices, change was taking place. I mean, now look at him. It's the same way with Chris Bunch. In high school, he was like skinny, and he was like scrawny, and he was like dweeby. And I mean, now he's like... Yeah, that's a poor choice there. That one, that one doesn't work. But you know what I'm talking about. You see, you will change. You will change. It's not about works. But if you're lifting weights every day, you're going to get stronger. And if you choose to follow Christ, the Holy Spirit will lead your actions to reflect that decision. Christ takes us as we are, but He makes us what we ought to be. Man, we change. And we've been learning these last few weeks that the Bible has a lot to say about that change. What you should put on and what you should take off. You know, with the beginning of a new school year comes the buying of school clothes. A change in clothes. I hate school clothes shopping. I don't mind taking my son. He don't even try nothing on. We buy it. If it doesn't fit, we just take it back. But my girls, on the other hand, oh, Lord, they try everything on. And they'll look at something for like 40 minutes before they decide to get it and take it to the dressing room. And then it'll be like 20 minutes in the dressing room. And then they'll be like, come out, how does it look? And I'm like, it's too tight and it's too revealing and it's too expensive. Change. They didn't even let me go this year. I don't know why. But here's what I'm getting at. You can tell a lot about a person by how they clothe themselves. You see, nine different times in the New Testament, clothing is a metaphor for the kind of character that Christ followers should be developing. Paul says in Romans 13, verse 12, in verse 14, so let us cast off the works of darkness. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord 
Jesus Christ. Pastor Chris has talked about the acronym RAGS, R-A-G-S, R standing for resentment, the A is anxiety, G was greed, and S is superiority. It spells out RAGS. You see, we need to be able to get rid of these rags that are hindering the flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we need to replace them with the character of Christ. So we're like taking off the old and we're putting on the new. We're replacing our old ways of thinking, and we're replacing our old ways of doing, ways that cut us off from the flow of the Holy Spirit, ways that interfere with us having joy and us having inner peace. Jesus says in John 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and to have it abundantly. Friends, we are the they. With Christ, we are are supposed to have life abundantly. We are the children of God. Men, we have the promise of new life. We are secure in our salvation. Our home's going to be the kingdom of heaven. We have the Holy Spirit flowing within us. So Jesus says we should have abundant life. But do we? You see, life doesn't, it doesn't always look like this for many of us. And the Bible says it's because we aren't casting out certain things and replacing them with other things. We aren't taking off the rags, and these rags are hindering what the flow of the Spirit is doing in our lives. You look at that verse, the thief, the evil one, Satan... These are his rags. And he's interfering with the flow of the Spirit and the transformation that's taking place in your life. You see, he's coming to steal. He's coming to kill. He's coming to destroy. He knows he can't do anything about your salvation. If you've given your life to Christ, your eternity's sealed. Your name's written in the book of life. He knows he loses. He knows the outcome. Read the book of Revelation. But man, he can impact you having abundant life. Man, he can steal your joy. And he can kill your dreams. And he can destroy your peace. And he does. He does. And that's why the flow of the Spirit, that's why it's leading you to change. That's why it's leading you to get out of those rags. Because they discourage you. They make you feel guilty. They confuse you about Christianity. They make you tired. They make you want to give up. They jump you out of the flow of the Spirit. A couple weeks ago, 
We discussed the dirty rag known as unforgiveness. Last week, anger was the dirty rag we were taught to put off. Both of these are the R part of rag, resentment. Today, we will talk about the A, anxiety. Man, anxiety is a dirty rag. It's dirty, it's nasty, and it stinks. You see, it's so spiritually toxic that the command to not be afraid or anxious or fearful is the most repeated command in the Bible. It's issued more than any other single commandment, and there's a reason for this. It's because anxiety cuts you off from the flow of the Spirit. It robs you of joy. It makes temptation look attractive to you because you're willing to do anything to escape that inner peace or inner pain. It erodes your ability to feel grateful. It increases our irritability, makes us grumpy and grouchy, destroys our appetite for growth. Heck, it poisons our relationships as a church, as a community. Because when I'm anxious, my focus is on me. And maybe worst of all, anxiety paralyzes our ability to trust God. You see, that's why God so often says, do not be afraid. John 14, verse 27, Jesus says in his final teaching with his disciples, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. See, peace is what we should experience in the flow of the Spirit. Peace. And let me tell you something. This peace was so prized and so valued by the early church that when they wrote letters to each other along with grace, peace was the first thing they mentioned. Second Peter 1 verse 2. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Not just may it be given, not just may it be extended, but may it be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ, our Lord. I mean, you can go right down the line in the letters of the New Testament. Grace and peace. Man, this was not some casual throwaway greeting in the early church. Not like it is in our day. I mean, somebody comes up to you, they greet you, ask you how you're doing. Oh, good, good, doing real good. Most of the time, people don't even wait for your answer anymore. How you doing, Bob? Well, I'm not doing very good. Well, that's good, Bob. Don't you just want people to be honest? I mean really honest. Bob, how's it going today? Not good. Hemorrhoids. <laughs> Barely made it here. Got no idea how I'm going to sit on these hard seats for the entire service. Well, that's great, Bob. 
But I'm telling you, in the early church, man, they were serious about their greetings. They were serious about them. And let me tell you why. You see, people who followed a crucified Messiah, people who faced oppression, resistance, hostility, beatings, poverty, jail, the first word they spoke to each other, the greeting with which they would open their letters was a reminder and a prayer for people to put on and live in the peace of Christ. And they expected it. They expected this. Paul wrote in Colossians 3, verse 15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. You see, that's our calling. That's your calling. But how are you doing with it? How are you doing with it? Are you putting it on? For the rest of our time this morning, I'm going to talk about three ways that anxiety hinders the flow of the Spirit. Three ways that anxiety hinders the flow of the Spirit. And number one, anxiety chains us to our thoughts. Anxiety chains us to our thoughts. Proverbs 12, verse 25. An anxious heart weighs a man down. I want to make a a distinction real quick. At this point, there's a difference between alarm and anxiety. There's a difference here. You see, alarm is that strong initial feeling of unpleasantness or concern which is designed to alert you that something is wrong. Alarm is designed to prompt you to take action. Take, for instance, an alarm clock. You see, it has a purpose. It goes off and it wakes you up. You wake up, you turn off the alarm because it served its purpose. Now imagine if the buzzer or the beeper went off, you woke up, but you never turned it off. And the sound just kept going on all day. Beep, beep. You take your shower, you're eating breakfast, beep, beep. You're driving in your car to work, all day at work, beep, beep. You get off work, you're having, you go out and you have dinner with your spouse, beep, beep. I mean, wouldn't that be annoying? Wouldn't that be irritating? Here's what's weird. That's exactly how people who live with anxiety feel. And what's sad, if you let that go on long enough, you kind of get used to it. That kind of becomes your normal. Psalm 
So you have to be able to discern what is alarm and what is anxiety. And alarm is a call to action. It should prompt you to do something. Deep cough. Maybe I need to quit smoking. Chest hurt. Arm numb. Should probably go to the doctor. Right? Anxiety, on the other hand, is your thoughts that are negative and they just keep going. About eight months ago, I was having severe pain in my side. That kind of pain that just, just drops you when it hits. It affected everything I did. And I remember being up at three o'clock in the morning, my mind. And I remember thinking, I must be dying. This is probably what it feels like. I'm just going to die right here. And I was thinking, man, I wonder how much my life insurance is. Uh, how's my wife going to be able to afford the house? Oh, my poor kids. Oh, well, God, if it's your will. So after a week, I know, why would I wait a week with an alarm like that? I mean, we pay $190 a week for health insurance. You would think I would want to use it every once in a while. But after a week, my wife made me go to the doctor. Doctor sends me straight to the urologist. It was a big old fat kidney stone. The urologist explained how he was going to go in and get it. And I thought, you know, death really isn't that bad of an option after all. But that's anxiety. You see, people live their lives with these negative thoughts and these worst-case fears. And they're self-defeating and they keep, they keep repeating themselves. They keep recycling over and over the same ground. This is like a chain of thoughts and fears and worries that never stop. They're always there. Beep, beep, beep. And people that are living with anxiety, they're constantly worrying about everything. They're prisoners to these negative thoughts. Prisoners to them. You see, we become prisoners to this whole way of thinking. And we can't have peace because our actions go where our minds go. We are, we, we are chained to our thoughts. Two hunters were out hunting, and they came upon what appeared at first sight was an abandoned farm. Man, the barn was sagging. The house was in, like, disrepair. There was these junk cars, car parts lying around. I mean, the only thing that actually made it look like a working farm, there was a few chickens pecking away, and there was a goat wandering around. So as they entered the yard, they came across an old well. And one asked the other, he said, I wonder how deep that is. The other said, let's drop something down in there and listen for the splash. So they looked around for something to drop in there. All there was close by was this big old transmission, so they both got underneath it, picked it up, hauled it over to the well. They dropped it in, they counted. 1,001, 1,002. It was a deep one. It was a long time for the splash. 
Well, they turned to leave, and they saw this goat charging at them. Man, his head was down, horns headed straight for him. And at the last minute, they jump aside, and the goat went right past him. Went straight over the side and down that well. They both just looked at each other in amazement. As they started to leave, the owner of the farm came up. And they chatted with the guy for a while. They even got permission to hunt on his land. Then the farmer said, either one of you guys seen my goat? They said, your goat almost killed us, charging at us all crazy. Should have had that thing tied up. Farmer said, I thought I had him tied to an old transmission. (laughs) You see, you follow what you're tied to. And if you're constantly worried about your finances, if you're constantly worried about your job, if you're constantly worried because you don't look like somebody else or you don't look like somebody that's in a magazine and you're always worried what other people are thinking about you, you're going to be depressed. You're going to be unhappy. You are not going to be living life abundantly. You're not. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You see, don't be chained to negative thinking. Focus on your positive, because we all have a lot to be thankful about. You don't always see it. You don't always feel it when you're struggling to pay your bills, or when your car breaks down, or maybe your kids are doing things that you never thought in a million years they would ever do. But you've got to use those moments as an alarm to maybe do something differently. But don't cast all your attention on the negative because it will make the positive go out of focus. And it will make it impossible to have peace, impossible to have joy, and impossible to be thankful. Anxiety chains us to our thoughts. So count your blessings and focus on them. Number two, anxiety gives us a false sense of control. Anxiety gives us a false sense of control. First Peter 5 verse 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I bet everyone in here has gone bowling before. You know, it's funny what people do after they let go of the ball. You notice that? Some people like guide it, like a magic thing, and they talk to it even, come on, you can do this. Or even yell at it sometimes. 
Some people contort their bodies a little bit like that's going to make it go where, where they want it to go. I mean, does any of that stuff work? Here's the secret to fun-filled bowling. Let it go. Let it go. I mean, do all the things you can when it's in your hands. Get your footwork right. Bend your knees appropriately. Have the correct backswing. Look for the right release point. But when you let it go, let it go. Know that that ball is no longer in your control. And that's how life is. That's how life is. You see, whatever the situation, whatever the concern, you say, okay, God, I think that I've done all that I should do about this. So now I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to cast this anxiety over to you. I mean, that's what Peter's saying in this verse. He's not saying when you have anxious thoughts, you need to beat yourself up for not having enough faith in God. He's not saying when you have anxious thoughts, you need to try a little bit harder to have more faith. He says when anxiety comes, you're the middleman. Pass that anxious thought along to him. I got this from the internet this week. I found it interesting. It says an average person's anxiety is focused on 40% things that will never happen. 30% things about the past that can't be changed. 12% is things about criticism by others, mostly untrue. 10% about health which ironically gets worse with stress, and 8% about real problems that will be faced. So only 8% of the things we worry about are even worth worrying about. Isn't that weird? And we all get worried. I mean, we all get concerned about things. And I worry about my kids, and I wonder what kind of decisions they're making, and what paths are they going to take? What's their future going to look like? Are they going to honor Christ in the decisions that they make? I mean, these things worry me, but it's like that bowling ball. I can only do what I have control over. I keep good form. I have a good follow-through. I let it go, and I pray that it's a strike. And when I fall short, And I do often. Man, I can't beat myself up over it and think, man, I just, I must not be a very good Christian. I have to remember that God is sending me another wave. Lastly, number three. Anxiety keeps us from saying yes. God. Anxiety keeps us from saying yes 
to God. Matthew 4, verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. What if they would have said no? I don't know, Jesus. Not sure I want to change careers at this point in my life. I mean, what if they would have missed out, missed this opportunity to walk with Jesus Christ, to witness firsthand the miracles and the healings and the walking on water and the raising of the dead? What if they would have missed out on seeing a resurrected Christ who did exactly what he told them he would do, be taken up into heaven and seated at the right hand of God. What if opportunity would have just passed them by? You see, when God calls us to do something, it's because he has something amazing in store for us. And anxiety, this fear, this worry, it keeps us from walking through doors that God's already opened. It keeps us banging on doors that God's closed. Man, we miss out on amazing work opportunities because we're too fearful to act on a prompting from God. And we miss out on huge opportunities to serve God in ways that glorify Him because we worry what could happen or what will people think. Or you think, well, I can't do that. Man, I'm not capable of doing that. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You're capable of doing anything. Man, don't miss out on something that God has put in front of you, a calling or a challenge, because you're too scared that you will fail. I'm telling you, I've walked up to total strangers and said things that I felt God put on my heart. Have I been looked at weird? Sure. Have I been laughed at before? Yep. But more times than not, the reaction is, it's funny you would say that because this is what's happening. It's funny that you would say that because this is what's going on right now in my life. Man, there's always a reason when God is prompting you, when God is pushing you to do something, and sometimes it's not even what you think. Sometimes it's just a blessing that God is bestowing upon you. I was at the Orlando airport last winter with my wife and we were sitting in the in the terminal and I had my headphones on and I was listening to some powerful worship music. Man, and I was just feeling blessed. 
And I start looking around at people. And I start praying silently. I said, God, if there's anyone here that you need me to speak to, or you need me to give money to, someone that's down right now, maybe they're hungry right now, and maybe they're praying for you, God, do something right now. God, point that person out to me, and then give me the courage to be able to go to them on your behalf. So then I just started looking around. Just started looking around at people. Really paying attention. I was waiting for a sign. I was waiting for a nudge. And then I see Lou Holtz. The legendary coach who led Notre Dame to the 1988 National Championship. He's my favorite college football coach of all time. And I elbowed my wife and I said, that's Lou Holtz. And she said, who? I said, I'm going to talk to him. She said, you leave that old man alone. But I went for it. And not only did we chat, but I got a selfie with him. Oh, I had abundant life that day. And the truth is, it was all because I was looking for an opportunity to say yes to God. Man, don't let anxiety and don't let worry keep you from saying yes to God. Will things always be easy? No. Will things always go the way you envision? No. Will God let you meet Lou Holtz? Probably not. But you're never going to experience the abundant life that God has planned for you, a life full of joy, a life full of peace, if you don't say yes to God. Man, life's too short. Life's too short to be chained down by anxiety. Man, life's too short to spend precious time worrying about things that we have no control over. Don't let your fears and don't let your worries keep you from saying yes to God. Man, don't miss out on this life. Don't miss out on great moments. Don't miss out on great memories that you're making. Because you were too busy worrying, being fearful. You see, life's a journey. But we only make this trip once. You got to appreciate your passengers. Smile. Act like a child sometimes. Laughter is contagious. Have fun and enjoy the ride. 